Welcome to another uh, True Tone Lounge Quarantine Edition. This one's coming all the way from Switzerland. We have uh, Kirk Fletcher, and uh, so so glad to get to you know catch up with you again. And uh, you know th this is a lot of fun. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, so how how are you? How you know how you know because this the last couple months have just been crazy. So so tell me how you have been doing over the last couple months. Well, over the last couple months when, you know, like, you know, when it first started, when everything first started, I was actually in L.A. because I had a couple shows with my good buddy Mike Landau and Eric Johnson in Texas. So I was going to try and get to L.A. and just be in L.A., you know, and fly out. But it got so bad, you know, and everything, and they locked down everything. I just flew back to Switzerland while I could and, you know, just was locked down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So the first like couple of weeks or so, maybe three, four weeks, a month or so, I was really, really, really down, just really sad and just kind of confused and everything, you know. And then I just started like I've always done whenever something goes on, you know, or something like that, I start pulling out records. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I always do this. I've been doing this, you know, old guitar player magazines, yeah. records, and I literally can go months by just listening to records, CDs a little bit, and um, YouTube and guitar player magazines, and luckily I, like, collected a bunch of stuff over here, you know, already for the last two or three years that I've been here. Yeah. So, you know, just trying, like, different guitar strings on guitars, trying different, you know, pedals to try and make it sound like Rykooter or something, you know? And, <laughs> and that'll just keep you busy, yeah. you know, for, like, all the time. So, basically, I've been doing that, and now I'm starting to get into, like, uh, learning a bunch of um, older blues songs. I want to learn 30 songs so I can just go anywhere, play by myself, play with any band, do whatever and just play like 12 bar blues all night but kirk fletcher's version of you know blues covers you know so that's yeah. like getting a little bit more obscure you know so, so that's yeah yeah so uh so what what are some uh, i want i want to move on i want to talk about your your uh your youtube channel that you've started but before that i want to ask yeah. so what were some of the articles or albums that really you know, impacted you, that just really got you fired up? Well, the whole reason why I do this whole guitar player, old reissue, back issue, guitar player, guitar world thing is so I can kind of hear it from the horse's mouth in real time, you know, when they were actually doing it in real time for them. Right. You know, like take, you know, Ry Cooter from like his 19... 80 or 79 or whatever, you know, guitar player front cover thing. And you hear about all of the stuff that he's doing at that time, like recording one of the first digital recordings ever. Right. You know, it was what, Bop Till You Drop or something like that? Right. Or, you're you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, and just stuff like that and hearing him talk about how he gets his sound and his equipment. And also, you know, like when Albert Lee was playing his 52 telly and, you know, like, what's the other guy that was after Albert Lee and Amy Lou's band? Uh, you know, the guy that played the Les Paul special? Yeah, that was Frank Ricard. Yeah! Yeah. And just hearing how he, like, um, put a B-bender or a palm-bender or something on his Les Paul special. Yes, <laughs> yes. Ah! He, I, uh... I, Again, you know, you're, you're you're talking to you know we're 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 gonna just gonna we're gonna guitar nerd out. So, just totally. So I need it. Okay. So so I found Frank Ricard in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So he is a uh, he after playing with Emmylou, he got his yeah. law degree, and yeah. he became a, a a Native American like a, a tribal lawyer, and so wow. yes. And so he was living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I think he still lives in that area. But years ago, yeah. I tracked him down and called him on the phone and asked, wow. him, asked him a bunch of questions. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and, but anyway, yes, he had a, a, you know, a double cutaway Les Paul special with the single P90. It was blonde, you yeah. know, the, the TV yellow with the little t- yeah. tortoise guard. And he had some guy named Sully... Uh, put this bender on it and it was you know it had a little hub in the back and it had like a a a piece of metal you know that came across and attached to the strap and and so he had that done on two guitars and i think one or both of them got stolen and Uh but but anyway but that's what and uh if you really want to hear some good uh frank ricard stuff there's emilu did a live album called last date and on that it's all you know Frank Ricard playing. Yeah. He was a great player, and he, uh, yeah, he had a uh, he had his own thing going because yeah, instead of using the Telecaster, he had yeah. you know he had that Les Pauls you know uh, Junior yeah that that he yeah. used and and it was it, it, yeah it was fantastic. So yeah, thank you for reminding me of Frank Ricard. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And then you know there's guys like uh, Ray Flack too. Oh know? yeah, like two English. You know, guitar players, Albert Lee, Ray Flack, you know. Yeah. And I like his style a lot, too, you know, like with Ricky Skaggs, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, Didn't he play like the um, Heartbroke, Heart, Heartbroke or heartbroke. something like that? That's, da, 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 that's da, da. You know, I, that kind of, you know, I, I don't know why I started talking about this. I yeah. just, you know, was thinking about old guitar player magazines. Yeah. So it made me think and, about some of those. Yeah, and, and those, you know, because it was funny, you know, you were talking about like the uh, the Rye Cooter. Uh, that was uh, the steel player with Emmy Lou did a lot of those interviews. So he interviewed that Rye Cooter interview that you're talking about during the Bop yeah. Dropper. He did that. Inter- yeah. And also the, the one where Albert's on the cover with his 52 yeah. telly. That was uh, yeah. Steve Fischel, who was Emmylou's steel player. Oh, yeah. He uh, yeah. he did those interviews, and he also interviewed like Wadi Wattel and oh, uh, and and David Lindley and and all all yeah. these guys. Yeah, he did a lot a lot of that because he was he was running in that circle. And Tom yeah. and Tom Wheeler, who was the editor of of you know Guitar Player Magazine at the time, he really pushed him you know to write and so he did a bunch of writing when he was still touring with Emmy Lou and and so yeah so yeah and and Ray Flack I uh I took a guitar lesson from Ray Flack in uh in in the early 90s and he was he was amazing he had like really heavy gauge um low strings so his strings were weird it was like 10 11 15 then 
3242 52 and, wow and so yeah it was it was a really interesting set yeah. wow and and he had he had a 68 rosewood you know board telecaster and the yeah. ac and the action was high on it and really? uh yeah and and he used this little gibson amp that was uh it was from the 40s and then of, yeah. of course on the ricky skag stuff he used a lab series amp with a 15 because remember because bb yeah. B. B. king <laughs> used the one with the 212s but yeah. um, but Ray and, and Ricky both used the one that had the 15-inch EV. We are going way down the rabbit trail on <laughs> this. Let's slow Because <laughs> it's like that slower thing, you know, it's yeah. like playing real, like, slow and melodic lines and stuff behind Ricky, you know. It's yeah. like amazing. Because, you know, me growing up in, in the 80s, I mean, Guitar Player Magazine was it. Yeah. You didn't care what the guitar player was. He, he was either good or bad, you yeah. know. So you just listen to everybody, Starlicks, the video series, you know. Ab I mean, that's... You know, you're, you are on, on the money because it was back then, it was like that was the source. I mean, you had yeah. you, know, you had guitar player and you had guitar, you know, guitar world, you know, started out kind of being, you know, more like guitar player. And then, of course, when Eddie kind of came around, all of a sudden they became yeah. more of a hair band, uh, yeah. you know, magazine. But uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. you're... you're... Yeah. You're killing. Okay, so yeah, I I love. I have you know it, you you've been to my office and I have a bunch of old oh, you know yeah. old guitar player magazines lying around yeah. there. But okay, let's let's we're, we've gone down the rabbit trail enough. Let's talk about you already. So so uh, you started this uh, YouTube channel and you've been putting up a, a yeah. bunch a bunch of great videos. And so one of the ones that I really enjoyed recently is you were showing older blues styles and just yeah. the, the pre vibrato pre, you know, kind of bending style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that whole like pre kind of vibrato pre bending thing was something that I had to do out of necessity. I was playing with blues artists like Linwood Slim and, you know, hanging around junior Watson and it just sounded weird and out of place to not play more in that style. Right. You know, with things. So I wanted the music to sound good. Yeah. <laughs> so I would like, you know, not bend. You know, I would just play like kind of lines. Even like Willie Johnson with um, Howlin' Wolf before Hubert Sumlin and Jody Williams, you know. And he really had... You know, you can't really say primitive style because it's rocking, it's airy, it's amazing, it's soulful, and it's, you know, got attitude way before, you know, rock and roll or punk or something like that, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's you're, amazing. You're absolutely right. There, Even though there's not the, the bending and vibrato, there's still a lot of intensity to, yeah. to, how, to how they would attack the notes and they'd attack the guitar. Yeah. I mean, you know, of course... You know, a lot of times they're using arch tops and, and uh, you know, dearmond pickups or P90s and stuff like that. And then they're yeah. using fairly heavy strings and they're just, they're really hitting it hard. You can tell. I don't even know why. I, I just thought of when you were saying that, I was thinking about Ike Turner too. Oh, yeah. A whole, you know, he was sort of in that whole time, you know, the Sun Records and all that, but the Stratocaster, you know, yeah. and the Whammy Bar and all that and kind of. Not much bending, but killer. I mean, Guitar Slam didn't really 
bend or you know play with vibrato, but he was yeah. amazing and intense and earthy. So, <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the question. So, how did the bending style come about? Because think you know, like BB King, BB King was playing more in the mode of T Bone Walker and was not bending you know very much and wasn't using yeah. the the vibrato that he was known for later. So. Yeah. How did that come? Do you know how did that come about? How did he, you know, when did, you know, how did he start getting into the bending and the vibrato thing? Or all the, when did all those guitar players get into that? What happened? Well, Zach, this is a very fun question that I don't have the answer to. Well, I, I mean, what, <laughs> a question, well, you know? what, I, what I was thinking is that, I mean, just from, from listening to the music of that era, you have you had muddy waters and you had other guitar players that were starting to play slide and so yeah. I, my thought was maybe these guys were trying to imitate the slide by doing vibrato that was that was the only thing i could think of but wow. because you know cuz all of a sudden because it wasn't like light gauge strings all of a sudden became available it was like they were still using I mean, sometimes they were using like a, another first string or something like that. Yeah. But like moving it down, like a black diamond set moved down one with a higher banjo string or something. I don't right, know. right, that kind of thing. But I, may, yeah, may, maybe you know, it was I, the, the 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 slide thing that was influencing guys. You know what? I actually it's weird because I think this is just something that had to happen, the singing guitar thing because you hear. This kind of thing in the Django Reinhardt thing going on, and you hear it in the like the Lonnie Johnson thing, and this yes. is going back to '30s, you know. So you do hear string bending, and other people too, kind of, kind of done it. But I think you mean more the get the note, pull it up, and hold it, and let it sing like that. Right. Right. That's that's uh, yeah. You know, kind of you know the, what you yeah yeah thinking of the bend. <laughs> you go because <laughs> the bending thing was there you know and i yeah. mean you have the um slide guitar and everything like that but i really think that the pull up on a note and hold it and go like that was really perfected by bb king I mean, yeah i i mean i you know, I, even if it wasn't, I don't care because I love B.B. King and he's like my biggest all-time guitar hero. Absolutely. And so is Reggie Young, too. Reggie Young, yeah. another B.B. King fan, you know? Yeah. yeah I, it, it blew my mind when, uh, you know, Reggie, you know, when I interviewed him and, and he said that he used to run after B.B. King's bus when he'd see it on the street. You know, I mean, that's just uh, like, and that's the only autograph that... Uh, you know, that Reggie had on any of his guitars on the back of his 56 right. Strat, he had BB King's autograph on there. And it's like, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that and that's I a huge it, influence. And it's crazy because when you think about it, like Reggie Young, you know, he really kind of like took things from that and added like this soul guitar thing to it. Yeah. And it was just like amazing and on a lot of records, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Then at the West Coast in the early 70s, a young gentleman from uh, Lomita, California, <laughs> named Larry Carlton. Yeah. You know, along and done the BB King thing and mixed it with more jazz harmony. Yeah. And put it on a lot of records. Yeah. You know, so th these kind of things just keep me up for days. Yeah. You know, I'll research and 
buy records and listen to them and stuff like that. And it's just very fulfilling for me. Even when I can't play live, I just listen to records like some kind of weirdo or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, like you were just saying, and it's like BB King is this linchpin guitar player that it's like, he is so important for so many players and so many people were influenced by him, both his early style. You know, when you think about Jimmy Vaughn, you know, the first yeah. T-Birds record, you know, there's a lot of the early, you know, non-bending vibrato, you know, style on there. Yeah. And, yeah, BB's huge. Or, or, or looking at, uh, I was, you know, looking at, I saw like a, a one of those reproduction posters for Elvis's first performances in Vegas. And it had, oh. you know, and so it has Elvis Presley. And then it says like the sweet inspirations. And then it said, blues guitarist james burton and i thought and i was like it made sense but it was like at first i was like he's not a blues guitarist but it's like yes he is it's like you think about think about it yeah yeah and it's like you think the first yeah the first thing that he you know played on that was big was suzy q and that sounds like lightning hopkins yeah, yeah. it's like and, okay, and james burton. Yeah. man i mean that slinky thing that he done on so many different kinds of records, and he's like, "Yep, played my telly on all of it." That's right. <laughs> like, you know, other than the Dobro or something like that. You know, on those. I mean, yeah. Man, just walking into the studio with an amp and a guitar and just playing on everything. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, never. You know, it's like you know, uh, we were talking about this Richard Bennett interview that I did, and and yeah. it was. It was interesting in that he was saying that all, all the session guitar players in L.A. in the 60s and 70s, they all drove Cadillacs because they needed the trunk space, <laughs> not because they were trying to be necessarily cool. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you just you had everything in your trunk and, uh, and then, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd pull out stuff. But, yeah, James could get by with just taking a, a, a telly and a, and a Fender amp. And, you know, yeah, every once in a while he'd pull out a Dobro or an acoustic guitar or a yeah. gut string. But, you know. That's what he was, he was his signature thing. And, and he played on so many records. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, and another thing too is, you know, when I got into like Merle Haggard, like I bought compilations. Yeah. Cause you know, I came into that later after I had tried to start writing songs and trying to listen to more singers and stuff. So I, I, I was coming late to Merle. I had heard stuff, you know, during my childhood, but I didn't. I thought that that was all Roy Nichols, kind of. Yeah. And then watch one of your episodes, and you were like, "Yeah, James Burton is on this song, that song." I'm like, "Oh man, that was James Burton, and that makes all the sense in the world." Yeah. Tuning down the whole E string and everything. Right. Yeah. Like on "Bottle Let Me Down," you know, he would tune down. He tuned yeah. that low str low string down to D, to, you know, where he could end on that that low D note because the song was in D, but. What's interesting about that is that, uh, you know, Roy was this great guitar player, but yeah. but he didn't really, uh, he kept taking other gigs and, uh, and, and, and Merle wouldn't be able to use him in the studio. And so he started, you know, and he liked James's playing because he really liked, the, yeah. there was uh, this Ricky Nelson tune called I Just Can't Quit, which was kind of a later song that he did like in the, in 66 or something or 67. Oh, okay. And, yeah. uh, anyway, you know, Merle heard that and started hiring him on stuff. And, 
and what Merle said is that the Merle Haggard guitar style was a mix of James Burton's chicken picking and then Roy Nichols' bending style, because Roy was the guy that was doing those pre-bent licks where he'd start yeah, with the string already bent and then drop yeah. it down, especially <laughs> when you think about those those where it where he would have a pre-bend and then he would end on the flat seven. I mean, yeah. that's Roy Nichols. And so what Merle has said in 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 a, a biography that was done a couple of years ago was that that, yeah. that the Merle Haggard guitar style was a mix of Roy and James together and that they, uh, and that's how it kind of came about. So it's, so yes, we do need to give, you know, James Burton credit, but yeah, there was some mixing in there. And of course, after 69 or 70, you know, it was, it was all Roy for a while. And then of course, later on you had Reggie Young and other people play yeah. on, on Merle's records, but uh, yeah. And then you have like on that tribute to, um, why am I drawing a blank? The Texas Jimmy Rogers or the Texas the Bob Wills, the Bob Wills. Didn't he have uh, Gimbal uh, Johnny Gimbal? Didn't he have him playing on that too on that tribute record or something? Yeah, like that? I, I'm getting foggy about that. Okay, but. Johnny Gimbal's a, a Texas fiddler, but also yeah. there's uh, Tiny Moore who was playing the the electric mandolin that sounds that, that sounds well, like a guitar. <laughs> And so many people, because, yeah, the, the, so like, that record has Eldon Shamblin, you know, playing yeah. that, that early gold strat that you've probably yeah. seen, like when Bonamassa had the guitar or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he was playing that. You had Roy Nichols playing a telly, and you had Tiny Moore playing a, a little Bigsby five string mandolin, and he played like, you know, it sounds like a guitar, you know, a lot yeah. of times, except his note choices are a little different. You know, yeah. because of the way the the tuning, you know, laid things out on the fretboard. But yeah, those that's a killer record. Yeah. Oh man! And didn't um like uh, didn't Roy Nichols play with Rose Maddox? Yeah. Before yes, like yeah, man, played with that's crazy. Yeah, he played with Rose Maddox. He also played with Lefty Frizzell, and that's how oh. and that's how Merle first saw. Uh, Roy Nichols playing was uh, was with uh, Lefty Frizzell, and and that's of course always been one of uh, Merle's big heroes was was Frizzell. Yeah, man. <laughs> Lefty Frizzell did he did he record with Lefty? I don't. I think the only early recordings of Roy are with the the Maddox brothers and Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then of course, you know. But when you hear uh, Roy's early playing style, it's very much um, non bending. And it's it's more like Jimmy Bryant, and yeah. and it's uh, and or or kind of Jimmy Bryant meets rockabilly playing, and then yeah. uh, then of course in the uh, in the sixties you know he starts bending strings and I think part of it had to do with just people uh, started learning about lighter gauge strings and they started hearing bending because yeah. once you start hearing bending you'll be like oh that's cool that's a new yeah. thing I'm, I'm going to start doing that too. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Let's let's talk. Right. Let's talk about your YouTube channel. So you did this. Yeah. Cool, you did this cool episode on uh, on early blues. You did an episode yeah. where you were playing uh, Memphis Soul Stew, and I was like, it just it blew my mind because I heard you play it, and I was like, I've been playing this song the wrong way forever. <laughs> 
I didn't know I was playing it right. I just saw it on this instruction, Cornell Dupree instructional yeah. um, tape, and he was kind of doing a variation on it. So I just tried yeah. to cop some of that. Yeah. You know, well, so I don't know if I was playing it right. Yeah. You know, right? Well, kind of, yeah, play a little bit of that for us. The, the, the lick and then some of the rhythmic things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like that, that I, on the tape, he's playing it like this. You know. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, like that. I can do it better on my telly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> You'll get no argument from me. <laughs> but no, that, no I, Yeah, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, you know, that uh you know it's it's those little it's the little things you play besides the E seven chord that really make it interesting. You know, and, and those are the the little things that uh Show us, you know, a, a little bit of that, well, you know, kind of, you know, kind of try to lift up the neck to where it's kind of more in the in the middle yeah. of the screen and uh, play a little bit of that. Show us a little bit. It's like this kind of really light picking with your right hand. And then he's really only playing like. So. And you're muting the G and the B. I think, no, you're muting the G. <laughs> yeah. It gives it that sound, like. So that's like the bass, what the bass player played. Right. You know? Killing me, you're killing me. That's great. Another thing that I really like is that stuff. Yeah. You know, like just this little bass line on that song. I'm like, wow. (laughs) You know, it's just so simple, but it's like where you put it, you know, that kind of. The feel of it, you know. Yeah, that was probably. Eric Gale's playing that because he Eric Gale had like a slightly different thing than Cornell. You know, it's like yeah. people go, "Oh man, sometimes I can't tell the difference." Who you know, but for me, I can tell they just had different kind of ways to get to the same point. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were you know, in in some ways they were similar players, but yeah, you can you can you know tell the difference one in their in their tone and and yeah. two in their uh, yeah yeah and. I just remember, uh, golly, I remember getting one of Eric Gale's, you know, records, you know, and it had a tune on on it called The Rabbit. Oh, yeah, The Rabbit. <laughs> the Rabbit. <laughs> I was like, because you listen to the song, it's good and funky, and all of a sudden you have these background vocals going, The Rabbit, The Rabbit. <laughs> it's like, what were they doing? <laughs> it's still a kill- It's like one of those things. Even though it has, you know, background vocals yeah. saying "the rabbit," it's still a killer tune, yeah. though. So, uh, only Eric. Er- you know, the other thing that I really like is like that. Uh, you know, like playing. 
with the phaser, you know? Oh, yeah. Just that sound of the phaser is like, ah, oh, man, I love it, you know, for that particular thing, yeah. you know? Because it gives it that kind of ch- chunkiness. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, I love you, that. You, you can chew on it. I think everybody was kind of fond of the phaser back in the day, you know. You got Waylon playing with the phaser. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, you know, every, playing with the you know, they, they kind of wore it out for a while and, uh, you know, but. Like the wah-wah. Just like, the, exactly. It's like in, any effect. It was, you know, it was like tremolo got worn out, you know, in the 50s because it was like the only effect. And then it was like everyone was using echo and then. You know, it's like everything else. Everyone decides it's like, oh, this is the cool thing. Everybody use this. Yeah. And so finally those things are cool again. But it was for a while yeah. there, it was like phasing, you know, wasn't, you know, it was like you wouldn't be caught dead, you know, using a phaser in the 80s, you know, unless you were wailing or, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah, let's put let's put chorus on everything. There were, yeah. there were you know, there were country records in the 80s. Uh, like Alabama, where they put chorus on everything. It's like chorus is on the drums, <laughs> it's, it's on the guitar, it's on the voices, it's on everything. Okay, yeah. I'm such, I'm such a weirdo. I kind of like it. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's, know, it's fun. I know it's so weird. I know. Let's put chorus on everything. Everything. So that, that's what your your next record. What you do is you just you know. Every song is the name of an effect that you put on everything. <laughs> so this yeah. song is chorus. This song phasing. Yeah, <laughs> phasing. <laughs> and then you put the chorus with the FM synth, you know, like the yeah. DX7s and D50s and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. That is a cool sound. Oh. It's cool, man. <laughs> it is cool. So, so how, when are you going to start playing shows again? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost like, man, I don't want to play shows anymore <laughs> for a while. I want to play more records. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, uh, seriously, though, um, probably there might be one or two here and there, sort of like maybe towards the end of the year. But it seems like people are starting to kind of gravitate towards next year kind of for shows and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I don't really have much on the horizon other than a few things that are a possibility here in europe you know yeah but you know, i'll come out to la and see my daughter probably around her birthday in august you know yeah i mean it'll just be good to see everybody you know look at some guitars and stuff and see if i can bring back some more records <laughs> <laughs> well that sounds like a good plan and and you're doing okay yeah i'm doing okay i mean here in switzerland everything is pretty calm and a lot of things are open already okay back up so it's sort of you know it's sort of like one hand i'm like yeah that's cool and then i'm looking at my family and everybody in the states and it's like okay it's kind of (laughs) weird you know so it's it's sort of strange you know but i just try and like keep in contact with everybody and tell them i love them and you know do what i can you know yeah Try and stay positive somehow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and some, sometimes that's looking hard. At of, looking at a lot of Tom Bukovac, homeschooling. <laughs> <Woo-hoo. laughs> that's, that's been a great, it's been a great show. So it's, it's certainly. Well, you guys were the ones who inspired me to start, you know, just putting little stuff on, 
my YouTube channel. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's di- you know, therapy for me, you know, it's just kind of talking about a bunch of stuff that I love, you know, and there's, I'm going to actually start getting into maybe a little bit more structured things because I'm doing all this stuff, you know, like press and play or press and record and just like, okay, let's talk about these cool records or whatever, you know. Yeah, I think it's fun. That's, you know, that's great. You know, it's, you know, one, it's like you just have to decide, okay, I'm going to get started. You know, I'm going to start doing it. Yeah. And then it, and then yeah. it's like as it goes, you know, organically, you know, you, you, you know, it starts to grow and you start figuring out, uh, you know, what, what yeah. you like to do. And then, yeah, it's like as you go, you start kind of, oh, well, you know, here's something I could do a little better. And you start kind of chipping away here and yeah. there. And, and uh, yeah, it's like me recently, I've just, you know, started kind of getting a little more organized. Yeah. Cause it's like you find out, they're it's like, great. yeah. So, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing some really great stuff, and it's like all of the stuff that I really like, you know. And I'm like, man, finally we have a place where us nerds can go and talk about like records and Telecasters and Harvard amps yeah. and all that stuff. Well, and that's why I'm glad you're doing your channel. So I hope, I hope, I hope all the uh, you know everyone watching will go and and check out your. Uh, so I guess they they could probably just get on YouTube and put in Kirk Fletcher and and oh, yeah. and, you'll, and you'll come up. But yeah, everyone needs to check out you know your your uh, your channel. They need to subscribe. They need to you know sh- show you the love because uh, you show us the love and uh, you oh, know man, it's fun. It is it's fun. Definitely something that you know I can do. Take a few minutes and do a little video in the day and feel like I'm still you know, contributing to what I really love. So, like, you know, I don't think I would have ever probably done this if I had been out gigging, you know, playing and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it's like some good is coming out of this, I guess, and somehow and hopefully I'll get back to writing songs and stuff, you know, but it's still kind of up and down. Some days I feel more with it and other days I feel kind of down, you know. Yeah. I'm human. <laughs> yeah, we, we all are. Yeah, we all have... <laughs> You know, it's, yeah, there's been a, a crazy time. And also, I think the yeah. good and the bad thing is you, you've had all this time or we've all had all this time for introspection and looking. And yeah. sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's tough when you start, you know, looking at things in your life and you're just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not real happy about that. Let's, let's change that. One, one of the, yeah. the big lessons for me is that uh, this, this time period, you know, uh it's it's made adversity causes growth and that's the thing that i i hate to admit because it's like you want to think oh i'm going to grow when uh, when everything's going my way but when you yeah. when you grow and when you start doing another thing it's because you are uncomfortable and uh yeah. that's absolutely <laughs> yeah. right so i mean yeah i think i'm 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 encouraged by all the stuff like seeing you doing your show seeing tom bukovac doing his and it's like all these yeah. things are because people were in an uncomfortable place. They didn't do yeah. it because in and but but all these good things have happened from it. They you know we're all, we're all growing from this. So, you know the the thing too that really inspired me talking again about Tom Bukovac is like, you know, the guy was like, you know, hey, I'm from Cleveland, and I grew up listening to this stuff. You should check out this record. You should check this. And I was like, man. This is so much fun to look at this every day. Yeah. I was like, man, I should try and do something, you know, like blues and like, you know, my upbringing and blues and 
soul and all of that kind of stuff and just kind of just talk about it a little and play and just have fun with it. And it's as long as I do it that way, it's fun. That's, it's cool. That's right. And the thing that you find is that you you don't have to appeal to everybody because, <laughs> you know, on, on YouTube, you have or, you know, on the Internet in general, you have this worldwide audience. And even if you just find a niche, that niche can be big. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it, yeah, it's like it's if you and if you'll just kind of keep doing, you know, keep you keep being you and you keep doing, you know, putting putting stuff out there, you know, you start kind of building an audience. And before you know it, it's like, wow, how did this happen? And uh, it's yeah. it's fun. And it's like and, and you don't have to be thinking about, oh, how, how am I going to, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think about, you know, how am I going to get 500,000 views on something like that? It's No, it's like, you know, I would rather get, you know, 5,000 views of people that like are really into it and that they're really yeah. and, we're, and it's part of a community and having fun and having good comments and yeah. good questions and stuff like that. That's what it's you know, that's what's fun. You know, cause I mean, some of the, some of the comments on, on my channel, I'm like, wow, yeah, these people are really cool and thoughtful. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you get a knucklehead or two yeah. here and there, whatever. Yeah. You, you just, know? you just, I don't care. You just block them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care if you don't like it. Yeah. I'm having fun and I like to talk about blues and this is super comfortable for me. Yeah. And I'm having a good time. Yeah. You know, so. All right. Well, we probably ought to, you know, we probably ought to sign off. But Kirk, all right, I really appreciate you doing this. This, uh, you know, meant, meant a lot to me. You know, that was, uh, you know, we got so many comments. You know, after you know the lounge episode we filmed, you know, last year, uh, uh, yeah. so many, you know, just about you in general, just how much they, you know, of course they enjoyed the interview, and also just your attitude and your your energy and uh and i love it and you know it's it's so much fun just to you know get to catch up with you and of course you know we've kind of become you know you know we've enjoy uh sending texts back and forth and and having you know guitar nerding out and i, I learned stuff from you and uh and uh it's just so so uh yeah i appreciate this so much and uh and man uh you know, uh, have have a wonderful week, and I hope uh, we'll again, people, you know, go check out, you know, Kirk's, uh, you know, YouTube channel I'll and, be the and learn something. I'll as soon as I can, too. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll be the next. <laughs> All right. Well, bye, bye, Kirk. See you. Bye. I'll see you. Take care. <laughs>